So what drama did we just have? My computer's dead. My computer's dead. He's dead, Jim. No, 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 sorry. He's dead, Ting. Ha 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 Oh dear, I'm the trauma of it all. I just turned on my computer and went, and then I was like, huh? I pressed the power button again and went, and I was like, huh? And then it just turned itself back on and off again and on again and off again. I was like, uh-oh. And then I unplugged it all and then I plugged it all back in again and did the same thing. Then I unplugged it all and then I opened it up and I started taking bits of it out to try and reduce the power load on it. And it just did it again. And then I eventually noticed, hey, there's a self-test button on the power supply. And I pushed it and it said, uh, no, I'm just having a rest. Sorry. <laughs> a permanent one, though. A permanent rest. Well, it, he can be roused from his sleep and then he goes back to sleep again after two seconds. So he's not he's not even quite undead, is he? He's just like... CBAs. CBA, he's got the CBAs. Allegedly, my power supply has a seven-year warranty, so... I guess I should try and figure out how I can claim that. But then I don't know if I can wait long enough for it to RMA it and then to send me a replacement. Just having no computer. Oh, well. I do have the Surface. So, I'm not completely processing powerless. But no more PUBG. No more PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds for me, sadly. It'll probably do wonders my sleep pattern. Because since we recorded the last episode... I have basically slept at 2am or later every night from playing PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. Even on school nights? Even on school nights. On on weekends, I slept at 4.30. <laughs> so, it's probably for the best. Anyway, there you go. That was my recent drama. Very recent drama. Very recent drama. Literally minutes ago. Minutes ago before we tried to record this podcast. And how about you? No, we're going to talk about your your affordable art fair. My affordable art fair? Wow, it's all about me, as usual. Yeah, where was I today? I went to the affordable art fair, and I bought some affordable art, which is genuinely surprising. I didn't think I'd buy anything, but I saw something I thought was nice. What is the price range for affordable art? The cheapest thing I saw was 1,800 Hong Kong dollars. What was that? Those were just small paintings or small prints. How small? Uh, we're talking about, what, like, 8 by 12 inches, maybe? Okay, so what did you buy? I bought a set of two photos. So it was a framed set of two panoramic photos of the Hong Kong skyline. So it's the same photographer. Well, he's actually from the UK, but he's obviously spent a lot of time in Hong Kong. And he knows someone who lives on the peak. So the photo is taken from this person's house. And... He went to this house and took a photo in 1970, and then he took the same photo again, exactly from the same spot in 2016. And so it's these two panoramas, one above the other, showing how the Hong Kong skyline has changed in the past 46 years. Seven. Seven years? Well, no, the photo's taken in 2016. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Sorry, did I not say that? I don't know. May have done. Well, and yeah, it's really changed massive difference it's it's amazing if you see how different it is from 1970 to now so i just thought it was really cool and i thought you know it's nice to have a picture of hong kong especially since how long will i live here how much longer will i live here how much longer will you live here actually i I really don't know because my original game plan was that i would stay here for a year and then my secondary game plan was that i'd stay here for three years and then my current game plan is that i'll stay here for seven years and get pr and go home 
But actually, now I'm already thinking, well, you know, if I'm working, I might as well work out here and Brexit and etc. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll be here for the foreseeable. So in in my mind, this was really funny, but I'll, I'll share it with you. And if it's, you can just tell me how how dumb I am. So I was Googling Reddit burnout and I found paradise. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, I see. You were Googling literally the terms Reddit burnout and you found a subreddit for burnout paradise. Yeah. Because I was thinking, wait, there's a burnout subreddit. And then of course I was thinking, wait, is that going to be out burnout or is that going to be out the game? So it's about the game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really, yeah. I was really hoping it would be about burnout and I could learn something. There must be like a real subreddit for like real burnout, serious burnout or something like that. That's what I did last night. I could really do this subreddit about burnout. I'm feeling very burned out. Sorry. Too much information. I Oversharing. Thought, I thought you'd learn from your last two years. I'd learn from my last two years not to push it any further. But you're post-burnout now, aren't you? I'm post-burnout. Uh, well, I've only got first-degree burns. So, <laughs> you know, I can recover. But I'm not yeah. sure I've recovered quite yet. It doesn't look like that from here. Really? Does it look like I'm crushing fools? No. No? Does it look like I'm just like... Second or third degree at least. <laughs> I was trying to be polite because I know I work with people <laughs> who listen to this podcast. Yeah, you're right. I'm lying in a Burns ward, like going, oh, what's wrong? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm not quite on form, as evidenced by my arrival time at the office. But, you know, I could be in on time, but I'm spending the time instead listening to like meditation tapes and being like, stay calm, don't panic. That's all we should talk about. We've not talked about Headspace. Are they sponsoring us yet? <laughs> Look, we, these are freebies for them. They're, you know, we'll build in some good favour from them and they'll then we'll get the sponsorship. Okay, so we should do this like a Headspace episode. So we should talk for like two or three minutes and then be completely silent for five and then say something and then people will be like, oh, I forgot this was on. I was having a nap. I joke. I think it probably has been helping me. How? Let's go there. No, I, I don't know. How's it been helping me? Has it been helping you? You're the one who introduced me to this. So I have less tension in the body. You know, there's a bit where it says, feel how, from top to bottom, how you're feeling. And be distant from that. Don't attach yourself to it. So from observing, I can tell there's less tension. And there's a moment where it says, oh, think about whatever you like. And my brain says, oh, I actually don't want to think about anything. That really works for me. My experience has been... He says, just let your mind do whatever it wants. Think about whatever you want. Don't think about whatever you want. And I find, oh, I was already doing that. Sorry. <laughs> My mind is already just off wandering. I've just been, the thing that I find most interesting is that when he says that, it suddenly makes me realize that I've been off doing something else. Like My mind has just gone off wandering already and I hadn't noticed. And it then makes me snapshot like in my brain. Oh, I was thinking about this and my mind was wondering. It's like, I was thinking about socks or I was thinking about chutney. Like, it's really bizarre things. Like, my brain just goes off on this random tangent of thought. Like, oh, my socks, they're a bit uncomfortable today. And then I'll start thinking about cotton or I'll think about, like, dye. And then, like, it's really bizarre. My brain just, like... Goes creative. Goes creative. This is what, yeah. You know, this is... I feel this is what I've lost in the last two and a half years. You know, it's been crushed out of me. All of my creativeness... And then it was, all that's left is this podcast. <laughs> you know, make of that what you will. I think it's okay. I think I think you're a different person on the podcast. Yes. Yeah.
Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me tonight Sir Michael. Hello. And myself, Tingathy. And this time we are a book club for games. Hooray! Finally! So this is Red Dead Redemption Part 3. Yes, it is. There will be spoilers for Red Dead Redemption. You should have known that already. I wonder if you'll do me the favour of doing the summary. So what happened? We went to Mexico. We said goodbye to our old friends. We made some new friends and enemies. Langdon Ricketts, a retired gunslinger who is famous somehow in the game, but I'm not sure either of us picked up on that. I think I read about him in a newspaper. Vicente de Santa, who... I don't, I don't have a nice, like, pithy way to sum him up. He's just a boot-looking sadist scumbag. Yes, a soft one at that. A soft one? What are you trying to say, Ting? He's not a commander of men. No. Because there are other people that fill that requirement. So basically, there are two sides, right? Langdon Ricketts, Vicente de Santa... And then the opening up of the next major set of characters, Louisa and Abraham Reyes. Yeah, and then, you know, on the Mexican army side, there's also... Espinosa and Allende. Exactly. So they're the main characters, and they're on opposing sides. So it all starts off with us trying to leave America for Mexico. Unfortunately, it's under the, under the lead of Irish... Yeah, so we we go to, where is it? We go to a dock and Wes Dickens says farewell and says he's off to the east where men of his intellectual caliber are respected. And Irish says, oh, don't worry, I've got lots of friends down in Mexico. I'll take you to meet them. And he pops you on a raft and the two of you head down the river and immediately half of Mexico appears and tries to kill you. Before you even hit the the (laughs) land. Yeah, well, once you're over the border, you're their problem. So, you know, they should build a wall or something. So you start navigating along the bank. I have no idea what Irish's plan here was. It's just so, yeah, it's incredibly dumb. Well, you, how does it actually play out? You are kind of on one of those rafts where there's a big rope that you can kind of pull yourself along. And then the rope, does the rope just break or does the rope get shot? And then you're just floating down the river and everyone is just trying to murder you. There's like... Gangs and gangs and gangs of people who are all just shooting you. And there's like people on particular outcroppings that are throwing dynamite at the raft. And you get a rifle and you have to shoot them. And it's just long, relentless, like 10, 20, half an hour, six years of shooting people. But you do make it eventually. Eventually you get there. There's an opening. You turn in, if you will. And... What do you say to Irish? You, you, there's like a nice farewell conversation where Irish is like, oh yeah, we made it. And Marston says, okay, so who are your friends you're going to take me to? And he's like, oh yeah, there's this guy. He's like a stand-up chap. Oh no, wait, was that Canada? And there's that other dude, but oh no, wait, maybe that was Canada as well. Uh, good luck. I think he tells you about Ricketts and, and DeSanta. He just vaguely says, oh yeah, go to this place or that place, you'll find someone. And then he's like, Oh, I'm going to go out fighting. And Marston's like, uh, I think you're going to die pissing yourself. And that's it. He Good- rides off. He rides off. Goodbye, Irish. The end. And there's like a weird 
save point there. Save shack. Well said. It's the scaffolding for like a tent without the tent and the frame for a bed without a bed. But it's enough to save on. So that's all that matters. And then you didn't notice this because you had the sound down. But when you then try and ride into Mexico, and I think this is a one-time deal, music starts playing and it's actually got lyrics. I think it's actually Jose Gonzalez, Far Away, I think is the track. And it's really cinematic and haunting. I don't know. I was really blown away by it. I was like, oh, this is amazing. That would have been amazing. Then the problem is I also just got too keen and carried away with the music and I was just riding my horse, you know, trying to run and I just ran straight off the cliff and died. And then I respawned at the safe shack. But when I did so, no more music. So I missed out, I think, on on that. And then you had the sound down, right? Yes. You didn't notice it at all. No. Classic ting. My reason for this is I don't want my daughter hearing all this gunfire before she's before she's born yeah she's gonna pop out and she'll be like you know making pistol signs with her fingers or when she's agitated we have to give her a soundtrack of gunfire to calm her down I mean, that's not a good sign <laughs> oh dear i can imagine that in in the kindergarten and then the teacher will be like so did you grow up in darfur just have to give the teachers a cd it's like it's fine normal people have like rain or some a waterfall but We've got some gunfire. We've got, so we've got some soothing gunfire. She's like, this one's an M60. This is You should use this if she's really stressed. So Landon Ricketts. Yeah, you meet him. You kill a bunch of peasants. Like, there's a bunch of people who hold you up. Did you know, do you remember this? Your first encounter in town. Well, it's a cinematic, so you can't really do anything about it. Three people come up to you and are like, hey, what are you doing in our country? Who told you to come here? How much Spanish were they speaking? They were, yeah, they were speaking some Spanish, but they're mostly speaking English to you, just like bits of Spanish mixed in. They're like, hey, gringo. Hey, gringo, he says in the most British accent possible. Hey, gringo. I can't obviously do any kind of Mexican accent. I won't even try again. And they take your hat and they're like, oh, we want your boots. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll give you my boots. And you just shoot them all. And then Langdon Ricketts is there and he's like, oh, well done. Killing farmers, killing peasants. He's a former, well, he's like a hero, right? Yes. He's famous. Yes, but I don't know why. No, me neither. I'm pretty sure in the newspaper, because you know, last time I read those newspapers, I'm pretty sure that's where I heard about him. There's a story about him in the newspaper being seen in Mexico. And he's like, oh, you can barely shoot. Let me teach you how to shoot. And so it's yet another Deadeye training mission. Oh, and you're shooting... You're shooting birds because they just don't care about... This whole game is just nothing but murdering wildlife. There are so many missions in this game where the objective is just to murder some wildlife. So he's just like, oh yeah, kill two birds. You know, I was just going to scare a bunch of birds. You need to kill at least two of them. And he just scares them all into the air and you have to just... Well, they're teaching you that you have to mark targets now. So you get Deadeye level three, which kind of seems to be worse than Deadeye level 2 because you can't just swing your crosshair over enemies now and it automatically marks them. You actually have to push the fire button to mark them to be shot and then when you pull the trigger then you shoot the marked targets which in some ways is good because it means that you can do things like specifically mark explosives and stuff 
rather than wasting a load of bullets on people who are in the way, you can just surgically target, okay, explosive barrel, explosive barrel, this guy's head. But also, it's obviously much fiddlier now as well. So, pros and cons. You didn't even notice this, did you? You're like, did I level what? Yeah, I didn't notice this. I didn't make use of Deadeye that much. Oh, I just use it all the time. Maybe this is because I'm just terrible at shooting. The whole game I've just been like popping in and out of cover and shooting after you taught me that mechanic in GTA 5. And alternatively, if I actually want to shoot anyone, I'll use Deadeye. I never use Deadeye unless I'm inside because I believe I don't have enough time to react because of the stupid camera. Well, I guess that explains it. So, still with Langdon Ricketts, we have to make a trip to another town. I don't remember the name of the town, though. Yeah, I don't remember. But he asks, do you want to... You have a choice, either to go by train or go by horse. Oh, I forgot you had a choice. You're right, you do have a choice, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I took the train. So did I. Because I felt like, oh, I should take the train, because it feels like that's what I'm meant to do. And so you get on the train and you have a chat with him on the train. That's the thing. I'm always taking the option where I think I can have a chat with them because I like the dialogue. I like the scene setting. But you could have a chat with him whilst on your horse as well. By riding alongside the train (laughs) and just shouting into the window. And have his horse as well. Well, I thought he's going to take the train. He's going to take the train regardless. And he's like, oh, you can meet me at the other side. Okay, you're right, you're right. But, But this weirdness that we both noticed was that your horse is on the other side. Yeah, whether you took your horse or not, when you get to the other end, your horse is there. It's not a random horse, it's your horse. So it's like, did someone else ride my horse here? Well, actually, I'm obviously just being silly because it's a magic horse. You can push up anywhere and your horse just appears. So it's no more unusual than that. But it is obviously not very realistic. I did think it was quite strange that he suggests you take the train. I I think it's one of many, this whole set of missions that's coming up, or It's weird because actually this is obviously about 12 hours into the game, but they're still tutorializing bits to you. They're still saying, oh, take this train. It's like, oh, I can ride the train. You know, there's a whole bunch of missions that seem to be there to explain mechanics to you in case you've missed them. Because we, you know, we've had no cause to actually ride a train up to this point. There's lots of things in the game that you can do that you have no actual pressing reason to do and it feels like they've just decided now's the time to make you do them just to remind you they exist so you you can say for sure that you can ride the train yeah you can ride the train anytime you want you just wait at a train station train shows up you get on is it the ma- is, is it a magic train that always shows up within x minutes or is there a timetable yeah that i'm not sure about i imagine it's not magic because it the train is on the map if you actually look on the map there's an icon for the train. Although maybe that icon only appears when you can see the train. So perhaps it is a magic train if you're at the station. Is, it, is this... Wait, wait, wait. The actual mission at the other end of the train. Neither of us have anything to say about it, do we? It was like quite unremarkable. I'm trying to remember what happened. I'm trying to remember what happened, but I have no recollection of it. And I just had a look at the notes and neither of us wrote anything about it either. So... It, The most interesting thing about that mission was the train journey. Happens. There's a lot of killing in this game. Yeah, it was just, it's just, we just killed more people. It's so boring. The number of, the body count for this game is extreme. I mean, we must have killed more people than were actually alive in Mexico by this point. 
There's a trophy for 500 kills, I think. Obviously, we've both got them. We can move on. Yeah, let's move on. So there's an, the next mission that we both did, maybe, was Lucky in Love. Yeah, it's another Landon Ricketts mission, right? Yes. Another tutorialization where you sit down and he's like, oh, hey, let's play a hand of poker and here's how you play poker. And then, oh, let's have a duel and this is how you duel. You always win the poker game, right? That's the idea. Yes. And then they accuse you of cheating and then the duel. Yes. How, how's your dueling ability? Well, I have played and won two duels, but when I did this duel, I was like, oh no, it's a duel. <laughs> it's like, how do I do this again? Because I have mostly been playing this game as my homework and actually have not been playing it regularly. So it's like two weeks since I last played it and I could not remember how the duel worked again. <laughs> and so I just died. And then I was like, oh, geez. And then I had to go into the Red Dead wiki and look up how to do a duel. So how do you do a duel? We, we've explained this every podcast, I think, because every time it comes up that there's a duel and one of us dies in it. So when it says draw, you can draw your gun. And if you draw your gun too early, then you can start shooting earlier, but your target's much smaller because the camera kind of like is zooming in. And then once you've drawn your gun, you get a crosshair that is like continuously shrinking. So it starts out big and it shrinks to a small size and it becomes big again. It shrinks to a small size. And like the dead eye target marking, you kind of have to mark your dual target. And depending on how big the crosshair is when you do it, it depends on how much of the kind of dual meter fills up. And whoever's got the bigger meter, or maybe when your meter's full, I'm not I'm not 100% sure of the mechanic. That's the bit I don't get. Yeah. Is it a case of after I've made six shots... Or once the meter's filled. Yeah, I'm really not clear. Because I think you can just keep marking more and more shots, which doesn't seem to make sense. But to actually win, you only really need to mark one shot, I think. Like, if you put one shot on their head, I think that's enough to win the duel. So I'm not sure if it's a, there's a time component to it or if you can actually deliberately pull the trigger. I don't know. The thing is, the duels seem to be quite few and far between, so I don't have much time to practice. And every time it's slightly confusing and mysterious. But eventually you win. You have some dialogue for us. This will be a trend, I think. There's some oh, quite cool dialogue in this I, game. Yeah, there's... Well, actually, the whole tone of the game is a bit different now. Because Irish and Wes Dickens and Seth were all ridiculous characters. And the Mexico section is a bit more serious, maybe. Yeah, because there's but, a country at stake. But... This poker game is between retired gunslinger Langdon Ricketts, yourself, and comical German stereotype. What's his name? What's his name? I can't remember. I don't know. I've just, I just put German down. German guy down. Yeah, German, like Irish. Comical German stereotype man who's just like, you are cheating, ya, yeah? And you all pull out your guns and you're all pointing your guns at each other. And he says, oh, what is the name for this situation? There must be a name for it. And I would say a Mexican standoff because I think that's what it's called. But Langdon Rick is like an impasse, sir. It's called an impasse, which I thought was quite neat. Do you know, do, would other people call it a Mexican standoff or is this actually a British thing? Oh, the only reason I bring this up is because recently I was at that global game jam where the theme was waves. And in part of the video, they show 
a wave going around a stadium and i was like oh a mexican wave and the american guy i was talking to was saying a what wave you know you know a mexican wave where the wave goes around the stadium he's like oh that's just called the wave why would you call it a mexican wave i was like i don't know actually because it's not as if it's a thing you see mexican people doing but for some reason in the uk i think it's called a mexican wave but do do people just say we're gonna have food here <laughs> well no we go for mexican food of course why, why are you so difficult? No, I don't know. What, what are you trying to get out there? I don't understand. Chinese food, obviously. We're going for Chinese food. No, with you, we're always going for a burger. <laughs> obviously, with me, you have to state the the type of cuisine because food, in, food to me is British food. In, in Hong Kong, you would say we're going to eat rice. Would you not? Sick fun. But it's not clear what kind of fat, <laughs> what kind of rice, rice that is. <laughs> Anyway, I feel this is I feel this is no clearer, but yeah, I thought it was a neat moment. Alternative lines of dialogue, something I didn't pick up. I don't know why I w- I would pick this up. Well, maybe you didn't pick this up because you didn't die as much as me. I died a lot, and yeah, something I noticed is that the characters all have alternate lines of dialogue. So you'll be running up to your horse and they'll be like oh quickly come over here and do this thing and then you die and you get the same scene again but they don't say the same line again they say a completely different line that has the same meaning and it just helps the whole game feel much more natural of course if you die again then they'll say one of those two lines and the illusion is broken but i still thought it was a very nice touch and probably quite a lot of effort because they must have had to record multiple lines of dialogue for pretty much everything why I don't know. Craft. Fair enough. You know, it's the difference between a tradesman and an artisan. True. If you, they, they, sometimes you feel it needs to be there, so you just put it in. It is a very well-made game, actually. I mean, it has lots of weird bugs and stuff, but there is a lot of character to it. It really does feel very complete. Like, there's a lot of heart in it. So after some time with Langdon Ricketts, we meet Vincente de Santa. A captain in the Mexican army? Yes. Do they, do they ever really explain exactly what is going on, or they just kind of expect you to know the civil war? I think they just expect you to know what's going on. Because they do provide the context after the fact. So they, they expect you to have some idea, but they do flesh it out considerably. As time goes on. So, Vicente de Santa, well, he's obviously in the army. So he's on the side of the government in this war. And I was kind of confused because to me, he was just a letter D on the map that I had ridden up to. So I didn't really know what to expect at all. But yeah, he gives you a hard time. He's like, you think you can walk into my country? And and then he has these two guys with him point guns at you, and it looks like they're going to shoot you. And he's like, ah, I got you, gringo. Come on, let's have a drink. And the extremely camp bartender comes over and gives you tequila. <laughs> and it's extremely heavily implied, all sorts of things about DeSanto and the bartender. I have some dialogue. Can you read it out for me? Yeah, okay. I can read out your dialogue for you. Yeah, you did particularly take note of this. So you're having this drink with DeSanto, and... What is it he actually asked you to do? You, you tell him, well, look, I'm looking to bring two men to justice. 
I need to find Escuela and Williamson. Yes. And he says, oh, well, if they're cheats and scoundrels, they'll obviously be with Abraham Reyes. And, you know, he says, Abraham Reyes, he's a traitor, a liar, a coward and a sinner, a hero who has done nothing. I have more respect for the shit I took this morning than I will ever have for the pathetic worm. <laughs> My voice was very slowly trending towards like terrible Spanish accent by the end. Worth it. <laughs> the the hint of terrible Spanish accent was worth it. And actually, this marks the start of a lot of the dialogue in the subsequent missions now is just in Spanish. And it's not in Spanish with English subtitles. It's just in Spanish with Spanish subtitles. So as someone who doesn't speak Spanish, I have no idea what they're saying. I mean, you had the same problem, I assume. Yeah, obviously. You didn't secretly do Spanish GCSE. No, but I did like beginner Spanish. Didn't help me. I mean, I actually did go and look up on the wiki afterwards what on earth they were saying. And it is quite interesting, I think. It does give a bit more colour to the to the situation, but there's nothing really breaking in it. It's, it's not as if you're there and two characters are going, oh, the American, let's betray him. You know, there's there's no... It's all subtext rather than in your face, or at least as far as I know. I mean, I didn't read every single line of dialogue, but I did go and skim stuff after each mission. Do you have an example? Do I have an example? Just to give an idea of what colour it gives. Well, in the following mission with DeSanta, where you're introduced to Colonel Allende, when you walk up, Allende says, in Spanish, who's this asshole? And... DeSanta will then say, oh, this is the man that helped us, you know, kill those rebels. And then Allende will turn to you and go, ah, my friend. So it's just little bits like that where there's some small stuff. Or there's another bit later on in that conversation, I think, where Allende is talking down to you and DeSanta is standing right behind him. You have the conversation in English with him, where Yende tells you what he wants you to do. And afterwards, you know, you're walking away and DeSanta and Allende continue to have a conversation in Spanish. And Allende is saying to DeSanta, why are you standing behind me? I told you never to stand behind me. Don't stand behind me like that, you jerk. So, you know, it's little bits like that. It's all just colour. It's like for the, you know, it's the moral relationship between the characters, I guess. It's perfect though. Yeah, it's very well done. I mean, I obviously I don't speak Spanish, so I can't tell if it's really good idiomatic Mexican Spanish. But you know, it certainly seemed very convincing to me. I guess it represents the situation of a foreigner in a foreign land, where you're only expected to capture forty percent of the conversation that's being had. So we have a is another cinematic ride. This time from the far west of the map to the far east. So, Perdido, I think, is in the far west, is it? Wherever the Mexican army is based, DeSanta and Allende, and they tell you to assault a rebel stronghold or to prevent the rebels getting a foothold in these ruins to the east. But when they say the east, they, they really mean the east. They mean literally the other side of the game world. So on you get to this wagon with DeSanta in total silence. And it says, skip to destination. 
but you don't want to push to get to destination because you think, well, there might be a conversation here and I don't want to miss any witty dialogue. So did you... Oh, I watched the whole thing. How long did that take? I don't know. 15? 10, 15? Why? Why would they do that to us? I don't know. But, you know, in their defence, they would say, well, we did say skip to destination. I actually did skip. So I thought it was to build attention for the upcoming firefight. I, I guess it does build attention, yeah. I looked on the map and I could see that we were going to ride all the way to the east. And I was just like, oh, allow this. And I skipped. I looked at the map too. I thought, oh, I may make myself comfortable. <laughs> well, you're a more patient man than me. And there's an epic firefight. Loads of dead bodies. And I, you know, constantly I'm, I'm weighing up the, the decision. Oh, should I loot these bodies now or should I loot, loot them later? So I decided to loot them later since there was... I worried there was some timer involved. So I got to the end and... The game just removes all the bodies. And all the loot. All that loot. The, the nothing ever has that much loot though, does it? Like you're only talking about like five, six dollars. And ammo. And ammo. You've got loads of ammo. When are you ever short for ammo? Okay, it's the dollars that matter. It's the dollars. I suppose there is a lot of bodies though. I mean, you do easily kill like 20, 30 people. At least, yeah. At least, yeah. Maybe more like 50 or 60. So that's what. Yeah, I mean, that is like two or three hundred dollars really, potentially. Anyway, it's not that important. But I also, I'm going to blame that for the fact I've not got any golds in my missions as well. What is this golds in missions business? I don't think I have this. What do you mean? What, what do you mean golds in missions? You get a bronze, silver or gold ranking for each mission. I've, you know what? You mentioned this before and I just nodded and was like, oh yeah. And I, in turn I was thinking, oh, do you? I, I still do not notice this. I'm going to have to go and look at this afterwards because the thing is, I do know what you're talking about. Because in GTA 5, it definitely does this. And I could definitely believe that it, it has the same system as GTA 5. I just don't know where to look it up. I must have like a bronze for all of them because I just keep dying. So following that, we meet Louisa. Yeah, so at least the way I played the missions, I did all of the Langdon Ricketts missions first, which are kind of slightly grey. Well, no, Langdon Ricketts is kind of against the army too, isn't he? He's not explicitly with the rebels, but he's not helping the army, certainly. If anything, he's hindering them. And then DeSanta, obviously the army, so you're helping the army. And then Louisa, who you met with Landon Ricketts, and she is explicitly with the rebels. So the first mission with her, she asks you to help her get her sister out of Mexico, well, at least out of the area. Because, you know, she doesn't think her sister is safe. Her sister's too young to fight. And, you know, being a family member of a rebel, she's obviously in great danger. So her family are packing up their house. And then you have to bring her sister to the docks to go live with another family further away. Do you want to talk about how clumsy you are? Yeah, why, why, why this wagon? I mean, she's just like... Oh, you can take my brother's wagon. It has good horses. It'll get us there. And it's like, can't we just take my horse? Can't we just take my incredibly fast and durable horse? But no, you have to take this wagon. Okay. And then, oh dear. How many times did I die? I, I certainly died. I died multiple times on this. Do you know there's a button to break 
Breaking is for losers. But there are sharp turns involved. Uh, you know what? I did not know there was random break. <laughs> How do you break? Is it the stop horse button? Or is it a different one? Stop horse button, yeah. Stop horse button. Okay. Yeah. I actually have another funny story about the stop horse button too. <laughs> Where, because I use it so infrequently... <laughs> I just couldn't remember which one of the stop horse button was. And you know, when they talk about this is actually really terrible. I'm starting to worry for my sanity uh, or my old age. But you know, when you hear about stories of OAPs where they, they get startled and they realize, oh no, I've got to do an emergency stop. And they stamp their foot down on the acceleration. So the brake. Yeah. So the second time I was trying to ride up to DeSanta, he's not outside the fort. He's inside the fort. So I was just riding up to the front gates. And I was like, oh, I need to get off my horse to go through the gates. And I tried to, like, stop my horse. But for some reason, I think I just pushed the gallop button instead. And then I realized I was getting faster. I was like, oh, crap, I need to stop. And I just pushed the gallop button again. And I just plowed headlong into a bunch of soldiers, like, at full tilt. And I tried to turn out the way. And instead, I just, like, clipped three soldiers and, like, slammed them into the wall with the side of my horse. And I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I shouldn't drive. <laughs> really got the giggles now. Just got a picture of OAP Mike crashing into three people at the supermarket. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. My driving's a bit sketchy. I haven't driven for a long time. I, you know, I've never ridden a horse. Actually, that's not true. I have ridden a horse when I was like 12. Or actually, more accurately, I've sat on a horse while someone else <laughs> I told it where to go. That's right, you were 12. I was chuckling too hard. So was that, did you talk about both? No, no, no. No incidents? One incident? So so far, we haven't even got to my, yeah, so the wagon. Oh dear. So I was trying to ride the wagon to the dock and then surprise, surprise, it's not a serene ride to the dock. The army's out to try and stop you. And then she's like, oh, go right. There's a roadblock. And I was just like, oh, roadblock, schmode block. I'm just going to go through this thing. But no, unfortunately, it's a guy on a Gatling gun who appears to be invincible because I just dead-eyed him six times in the head and he just carried on shooting and an impossible to get through barrier of spikes. So that was my first death. Well, you did dead-eye the guy, so actually... Well, you know, I was trying. It's a game design fault there because yeah. they've made him invincible. Exactly. They should just let you do it, you know. This is immersion breaking. You're ruining my immersion. And then the second time, I was like, oh, fine. Let's get back to where we were. Full tilt. Gallop, gallop, gallop. And I just rode straight off the cliff. Very shortly after you leave the house, there's a left turn. And I just didn't turn. I just galloped straight off the cliff. So that was death number two. And then after that, I think I did okay. But, you know, just following directions. Fine. I won't try and ride through the roadblock. Well, they were like, ride through this one. Don't ride through this one. It's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. Are you playing this at 2am, cramming kind of homeworking? I am, I am playing this at 2am, cramming kind of homeworking. It's like, I'm getting home after work, and then it's like, oh, geez, I, I've got to record the podcast on Saturday. I better go and play Red Dead to finish it in time. Yeah, that's why I didn't turn on my computer this week, and I discovered it was dead today. That's what you get for neglecting your computer. That's what I get for neglecting my computer. Yeah, because it was expecting to be played till 2 in the morning for PUBG. Maybe it's PUBG's killed my computer. Another interesting touch. So when you go back to do Louisa's second mission, her house is burned down. I thought that was quite interesting because you yourself in one of the earlier missions are sent with the army to burn down a village that they say is housing rebels. And 
her house is burned down. So I guess that's her rebel street cred. So following that, what do you need to do? Louisa asks for you to free Abraham Reyes. That's another long ride with no dialogue. To build tension. You Question think? mark. Question mark. Why? Why? Game designer Mike. I don't know. Beats me. It wasn't. How it many wasn't... times in your life have you said the words "I don't know"? Really, let's be think. Let's be honest here. One. No. <laughs> a lot. I say I don't know all the time. It's my. It's my general filler thing. Mike, would you like some ice cream? Oh, I don't know. Oh, that's different. That's a decision. It's more of like, oh, does Mike have an opinion on this? No doubt. <laughs> my opinion is you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just said it again. It, I don't think it was a very long ride. Long enough. Like, did you skip to the destination? No, I didn't skip the destination this time. Fine. The mission itself is quite interesting too. Will you free Abraham Reyes? He's, re- he's going to be executed. He's going to be executed. You bust out the sniper rifle. For the first time? No, they gave you the they gave you the sniper rifle on the first mission where you meet Captain Espinosa, who we haven't even talked about. Oh, there's so there's in fact there's a whole all the bunch of missions we haven't talked about. I guess that we don't really need to talk about them. No, no, we don't need to talk about them. That's the idea. But is but they were still interesting, where you were essentially betrayed twice. Anyway, that's by the by. So the first mission with Captain Espinosa is the one where you get the sniper rifle. So you've already got the sniper rifle. But having said that, there's another one propped up on the wall just in case you happen to miss it conveniently and then you've got a clear line of sight down to the executioner you have to take out basically the executioner and all the soldiers in this base you free abraham rays and he's like i'm here your lover sent me to free you my lover who and he's like oh you know louisa what who and he's like what laura and he's like <laughs> you know and then you finally reunite the two of them and he starts singing and he's like singing he's like oh and there was a woman named laura who came to rescue me and she just like completely just ignores the fact that he got her name wrong because she's so in love abraham Rich. are any of the characters likable are any of the characters likable in the section i mean because that, the, the thing the characters in this section of the game are very different irish seth west dickens all ludicrous Louise is okay. Louise is okay. Louise is okay. Lana Ricketts, I guess, is okay. Allende, DeSanta, maybe even Abraham Reyes. A little bit sketchy. I don't know. Jury's out on Abraham Reyes. We haven't had much to do with him yet. Well, he called her Laura. He called her Laura, yeah. But he was kind of dehydrated and about to be executed. Maybe he'll learn her name for next time. Or maybe calling her Laura will be this massive running joke. Maybe by the end, you know, you'll call her Louise and say, like, oh, no, no, my name's Laura now. You know, who knows? Who knows? You talk of betrayal. We'll finish on this mission then. Yes. So this is when you're properly betrayed, not kind of just a bit betrayed. The last mission in the section, cowards die many times. You're riding with DeSantos to Chaparosa. It's another really, 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 really long ride. But to break it up this time, you do the traditional Red Dead Redemption thing of killing the local wildlife. So he basically says... Each man gets five shots. Whoever kills the most with those five shots gets 25 bucks. I didn't know there were four rounds of this. I don't know if there are always four rounds. I don't know how this started. But for me, he just said it. 
and then I shot a bunch of things and got 25 bucks. And then he says, okay, we've got time. Let's do it again. And he's like, okay, fine. Let's do one more round. So for me, he, he explicitly said, okay, let's kick off another round of it. And you could hear the other soldiers shooting. So it's like, oh, okay, I guess I should do it again. So I got three payouts from it. I think it's possible to get four. Mm, yeah. I'm not sure what triggers him to start the initial conversation. I mean, did he actually do it quite early on? You just didn't realize he was doing it again. Or did he only say it for the first time when you were quite close? You you said he says, let's do it again. I may have missed that. Okay. In any case, then you are properly betrayed because, well, they, they just straight up lie to you. You know, you get brought to Allende and he says, oh, we found Escuela and Williamson. We've got them tied up in a church. Off you go. And DeSanta brings you, you have this long ride, you get to the town that Langdon Ricketts is normally in, you go into the church, and they're not tied up in the church, they just knock you out and take all your gear, they're about to shoot you, and then Abraham Reyes shows up and basically, it's like a replay of the previous mission in reverse, so Abraham Reyes with a sniper rifle kills the guy who's about to shoot you, and then... You have to run to him. He cuts your bonds. You get back your gear. And then you have a massive shootout with all of these soldiers until you eventually kill Captain Espinosa. I think I was just confused because it said, oh, and kill Captain Espinosa. And I, in my brain, I was expecting it to be DeSanta for some reason. I thought there was going to be some like big bantery shootout. But instead, you know, you kick down the door and instead there is Captain Espinosa. And I was like, oh you i was thinking in my head and he says i knew you're a traitor and i was like oh okay bang and i shot him dead end of mission so for me i was expecting something more cinematic it felt a bit anticlimactic to me but that's because i was expecting to santa and i was expecting witty banter and a comical hubris villain death so would i but you, you saw the betrayal coming right yeah yeah okay same All right, so that does it for the story. Yes, but there, you know, this is Red Dead. There's plenty of other things going on. So I want to talk about the hideouts. What about them? How, how many did you do? What do you think of them? I mostly find it a pain because <laughs> I always encounter them when I'm on my way somewhere else or when I'm trying to do a stranger mission and it just pops up and goes, oh, go and talk to the guy by this thing. And it's like, oh, okay, fine. I guess it's a mission. So... I have never been seeking them out. They've always been something that I've just run into when I've been trying to do something else. And it's been like, well, I guess I better do this now because this thing's in the way. But they are kind of fun when you actually do it. And the Fort Mercer one was quite fun. Because we both did Fort Mercer, didn't we, this time? Yep. You run into some guy and he just says, oh, these bandits have taken over the fort. You need to help me flush them out. And then there's a treasure room. You can have the treasure. And the treasure's the... The treasure's actually $320, which is quite a lot of money at this time. And an amazing... Well, I say amazing, but... Yeah, well, a pretty decent semi-automatic pistol. So it's not a revolver. It's actually like, you know, a pistol with a clip. And I was trying to do the... Um, oh, I don't know which... Have you have you been doing the um, the master... Things? <laughs> no, I've just given up on all those. Like, master of survival and master of hunting and master of... That stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I just 
given up. I just couldn't be bothered. When it told me to collect, when it told me to kill more wolves, and it's like, I just killed a dozen wolves. Although, admittedly, it did tell me to kill them in hand-to-hand combat, but still. There's a stranger mission called Daedalus and Son. Have you, have you done that? Nope. So a combination of that and the masters of whatever. I don't, I don't know what, I don't remember the terminology anymore. Where it asks me to kill vultures or birds or some, of some kind. Okay. And after the Fort Mercer shootout, there are tons of birds just hovering over. And so I, I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to get them. But there's some glitch where you can shoot them, but they don't fall into the fort. They just fall into nothing. They, they don't never land or hit the floor. Oh, that's a pain. Because those collecting vulture feathers. Oh, it's painful. It's painful. That's why you've given up. Well, it's true. It's, but could you not get them from the Langdon Ricketts mission? Because that's the first thing he does is scare a load of vultures, isn't it? Right at the very beginning of the mission. Or maybe you didn't have it at that point. It's the same situation where I didn't have the mission when they were abundant and now I've got to go and find them one by one. Yeah, if they might have had a logbook and it's let you just do them all or check them off, it would make a lot more sense. Yeah, it is frustrating. So I also did two more of these forts or gang hideouts, they call them. Nosolido and Tesoro Azul. I don't know. I did... It's another one that's back in California or in Mexico. So there's one, Gaptooth Ridge. Gaptooth Ridge. I did Gaptooth Ridge. And I also did the mine. Pike's Basin. Pike's, is that Pike's Basin? Okay, maybe that one. It's, it's because there was a, the funny man, Stranger Mission, and he's in the mine. And so I, I had to, I had to get in there anyway. So I thought, well, I may as well do the gang hideout at the same time then. So you've not done, even Peril, nor have you done Poppycock. No, sorry. I did pick up Poppycock, but I haven't done it yet. And I, I haven't seen it, Even Peril. I've hardly seen any Stranger Missions, actually. I don't know what's going on. I'm probably just... You know, actually, you know what's going on. But too late on your... You've started the homework too late. No, no, no. It's not that. I discovered that... Well, we both discovered you can use campfires to fast travel. So you can put down a campfire... You can save your game anywhere, which is really handy. And you can also fast travel. But you commented, oh, but I can only fast travel to towns in the same region. But noting, you can fast travel to your waypoint. So you can literally say, oh, I want to go here and put down a waypoint anywhere in the game world. Put down a campfire and just say fast travel to waypoint and bang, you're there. No more riding from place to place. Your magic horse can be magic while you are on it. You have a magic campfire now. <laughs> so yeah, so my teleporting horse can teleport me. Because you can upgrade that campfire as well. Yeah, but it, it just gives you some ammo or something. I mean, its magical teleporting ability seems to be present from the start. But that's probably why I've encountered hardly any stranger missions. Because after I discovered this, I've just been going zip, 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 and like teleporting about. But as a result, I'm not riding through the wilderness. I'm not encountering wildlife to murder to build up the master of whatever quests or herbs to pick and i'm also not just bumping into strangers because i'm just teleporting to where i have to go so you finally did the california mission i did finally do the california mission i must admit because you said do california mission i actually looked up where the california mission was and then teleported to it with my campfire to find the guy but yeah so i did the california mission I like the fact the California missions is spread over many days. 
it's interesting because they're spread over many days, but in a very small area. To give a bit more flavor, the California mission, you run into a guy called Sam Odessa, and he's sat by a rock playing his harmonica. He's pretty cheerful. He's well-dressed. And he's like, oh, I'm following my dream. I'm going to go west. I'm going to go to California. Three generations from the Black Sea to California. My grandfather from Odessa. I'm Sam Odessa. You know, it's in my blood. We've got to get to the west. And so you're telling him, well, you're pretty far out. Where's your horse? He's like, oh, my horse. It got lame a few days back. I've just been walking ever since. And you say to him, well, maybe you should get a stagecoach. Just go to the town, get a stagecoach, take you straight to California. So he's like, all right, thanks, mate. Off he goes. A day or two later, you run into him again. And he's looking a bit more disheveled. Yes, he is. And you're like, oh, I thought you were going to get a stagecoach. And he's like, oh, I got that stagecoach, but it was just, it was just so boring. There's just no excitement. There's just, what's the phrase? Do you know the phrase he uses? I can't remember. He's got some particular turn of phrase. No. But he says something like, oh, I've got to be free. I've got to be free. You know, it was keeping me cooped up. I just got to be free. And you're like, okay. He's like, I'm going to walk to California. I'm going to walk to the West. And you're like, okay, fine. Just follow the setting sun. He's like, yeah, yeah, man, whatever. And he's like, okay. And he just walks off. He's like, I know what I'm doing. And then you bump into him again a few days later. Yes. Yes. Is it further to the east of where you met him the last time? It's it's in the same general area anyway. Yes. And he's just mad. He's lost the plot. He's completely lost the plot. And he's he's been eating the cacti as well. He's like, oh, the cacti are delicious. And I think the cacti are hallucinogenic. Isn't it? Because he's like peyote, isn't it? They're kind of hallucinogenic. Anyway, he's nuts. He's like dehydrated and like his clothes are like rags. And you're like saying to him, oh, I hope you get to town. And he just pulls a gun on you. He's like, you stay away from me, man. You're trying to cage me. I've got to be free. And then there's one last encounter. And he's got vultures on him. Score. You can shoot them and get the feathers. Yeah, he's dead. (laughs) You find his sun-baked corpse. And you can shoot a vulture. So that's a silver lining. And he's got a letter on him where he sums up his story basically it's a letter to his wife to say i'm sorry for leaving you and our baby it was just in my blood i had to go west to california to fulfill my grandfather's dream i don't know why i did it i threw it all away i've gone mad i don't know how you feel coming across those missions mid-game but coming across those missions earlier it felt quite poignant because there was so much hope at the beginning. There was just so much hope. And how they've set the mission up is you have to come across it over time and you see the, f- the hope fade and it just falls apart. Yeah, that is true. Quickly. It's it's a shame, actually, because it's near Ridgewood Farm or Ralston. It's, it's in the far west of the California map. And I was running around there. I just must have just coincidentally never ridden to that particular spot for whatever reason and as a result i missed out on it so you are right i didn't organically get those missions because i think they would have slotted in quite well in between the west dickens missions but no unfortunately i didn't get them and instead i just mainlined them 
over you know i i just fit them in between the mexico missions by fast traveling basically so it's true i think i did lose some of the impact it is interesting i mean what do you make of him as a character this sam odessa all of the strangers are just so weird in a way he's at least well no he is crazy in his own way he's not as crazy as the flowers for a lady man but he's certainly still crazy yes but he's you know he's not on the surface he he isn't crazy He's, you know, the high-performing crazies aren't. He's a high-performing crazy. No, 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 no. Not, probably not the right word. But you know what I mean. He thinks he knows best. So maybe that makes him high-performing in his own way. Yeah, he's presentable. For a while, at least. So you give him the benefit of the doubt. That is the problem of being a grown-up, you know. No one's going to tell you that you're doing something really stupid. Or maybe people will tell you, but they won't stop you. Yes. So if you want to throw it all away to follow your dream and your dream turns out to be a really bad idea, no one will stop you. But you might just die penniless at the end of it. Well, forget penniless. You might just die waterless at the end of it in Red Dead Redemption, certainly. Have you come across any new random encounters or interesting random encounters? You're not talking about Stranger Missions. You literally mean... Random things that happen. Random blue dots, right? I don't think I've seen any new ones since, actually. Have you? Have you Have you come across the one where... Oh, yes, I have, actually. Yeah, there's there's one where... In Mexico, there's a, a guy about to be executed, basically. There's a bunch of army people pointing guns at this dude. And he says, help, help, they're going to kill me. It's an execution. I've done nothing wrong. Or something to that effect. And yeah, it's a weird one because I was like, do I shoot them? They're red, but they are the army. So technically they're the law, but this guy says he's innocent. And you know, people who say they're innocent are always innocent, right? I did dead eye them and shoot the three army dudes. And the guy got away. So I got some fame and stuff and completed the encounter in theory, but I only headshotted two of the guys. So the third soldier actually was getting back up and I thought, oh, I better shoot him before he shoots me. So I shot him again. And when I shot him again, I got a bounty on me. Yep, I had the same. Yeah. So the thing is, though, the two guys that I headshot first didn't give me a bounty. It was only when I shot the guy again who was standing up that it counted and then i as usual accidentally rode my horse off a cliff so none of it stuck anyway and it reloaded my last save why are you not recording this good stuff <laughs> recording this good stuff what me riding off a- <laughs> yeah i'm recording it i'm telling you oh you mean like like live streaming it yes. like whoops let's watch mike be incapable of driving a horse that's why breath of the wild is so revolutionary because your horse doesn't ride into trees it just flows around them like a real horse would and it just doesn't ride off a cliff it stops like a real horse would had another one where presumably it's a pretty lady because i didn't really see her she asks will you help a pretty lady for a kiss and your answer that's right no i will (laughs) not help you to just ride off yes what it seemed like it seemed like it's probably a trap yes 
Yeah, it's probably a trap. Who does that? Who does that? What shouts? Would you help a pretty lady for a kiss? Oh. I'm very successful with that. I can tell you. You know, I've I've had like my luggage carried many times. No, I don't know. But who helps someone just for a kiss? <laughs> Not that way. The other way, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like arching my eyebrows. <laughs> So, and then we have this section of just notes or others. So, <laughs> are you using the warhorse now? Yes. So, did you have the warhorse deed? Yes, I had it all along. <laughs> the thing is, there is no tutorial explaining it to you. It's just in your inventory. And there's nothing to tell you to open the inventory either. I just happened to see it because I like to open all the menus and stuff and look at them. And I was like, what is this? And then I googled it and found out. So it's plausible you could have missed it. I'm surprised you managed to miss it until 12 hours in, but... We don't really need the inventory for a long time. Just for the treasure map. And that's it. The campfire. Yeah, we both also only discovered... Yeah, it's true, like, Popcorn and Kettle Black. I only discovered the campfire 12 hours in as well. But I discovered all sorts of stuff, because I also bought the bandolier, which doubles my ammo. Actually, I bought that a while back, but... There was a Lucky Rabbit's Foot too. Have you bought that? No. It's only $13 and it gives you 20% extra loot from everything. Oh, it's not even random. Yeah. I went to a general store and I looked at all the things I hadn't bought because now I've got like a thousand plus dollars and I just bought all of them. And yeah, you know, one of them, it just said Lucky Rabbit's Foot plus 20% to ammo and money looted. And I thought it was a consumable, but no, it's not consumable. It's just a permanent buff. Huh. So you should probably buy that. Have you been buying the, the homes? Yeah, I've been buying the homes. Because they're never very expensive. It's like 50 bucks, isn't it? I've been buying the homes. Maybe I should splash the cash and buy the... I don't know why I'm buying the homes. Because it turns out you can just use the campfire. So weird. Like, from a balance point of view, the game is a bit odd. The campfire is just so overpowered. You can save anywhere and you can teleport anywhere once you have it. Maybe they added it later. I don't know. Well, actually, I guess it is an interesting thing about how you want to play the game. Because as soon as I discovered it, it has totally changed the feel of the game for me. Because I'm no longer riding through the wilderness and getting these random encounters. And I'm getting through the game much faster. But I think I'm also missing out a lot more stuff. So I can see that... To get the full experience, you probably just should not use the campfire at all, which is how we were playing for the first 12 hours. I may not use the campfire still. I'll try it. I'll try it. Travel to Waypoint. It's amazing. So tell me about racism. Oh, it's just a random, it's just another random comment because, you know, I got a pop saying, oh, there's new stuff at the shop. And this is when I actually bought the rabbit's foot. So I walked into a shop and... The shopkeeper's like, oh, welcome, sir. There's nothing Jewish in this store. And I was like, thanks for telling me. You know, I was just like really shocked. So just loads of casual racism all the time. I guess that's what it was like. Right, for this part, they are quite kind of more serious. There's not so much. There's more racism in the first two sections than this one. In Mexico, I guess there is still racial stuff going on between well you've got obviously americans coming in i mean there's another great line i think there's a there's a great line who who says it is it allende or is it you know 
come to our country, mess with matters that are none of your business. How could any American resist? There's a whole bunch of stuff about that. And then people talking about, you know, the Spanish Mexican people and like the native Mexican people. And there's a whole load of like racism about that as well. You know, again, they saying, oh, these people need to be led. You know, they need a leader to tell them what to do. They can't be trusted to, to lead themselves. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there too. It's more like politically focused. It's not so casual and reckless. It's not such a, well, I don't know. Yeah. We may see more of it when we move back north, north of the border. North of the border. Hmm. So did you buy any maps in the stores? I did buy the maps. I have no idea what they do. Sorry. I just bought them and used them. You used them, but for what benefit? I, exactly. Beats me. No, I think when you use them, it puts icons on the map. Because you know when you're in town, it's like Breath of the Wild, drawing many parallels with Breath of the Wild. The town is on your map as like a location, but until you ride around the town, things like, you know, where the doctors are or where the general store is and they don't get marked on the map, I don't think, until you go up to them or until you get close to them. But if you use a map, it just puts all the markers on your map straight away, I think. But you do travel to Waypoint, it doesn't make a difference. You don't need it to travel there, but to show that, you know, there is a poker game in this building or there's a general store in this building i think that's the sort of thing that doesn't appear until you go there in person or use one of these maps they do seem quite pointless though i wrote down i I rode a mule but do i do i mean mule do i mean donkey oh good question i don't know where did you find it someone was just walking with his mule and you just got on it (laughs) yeah and was this guy okay with it it seems so oh i would not have expected that what is your honour? Are you really honourable? Are you really dishonourable? Really honourable. So, do people overlook crimes that you commit now? Because I got a pop-up saying, oh, you've now reached the level of honour and fame that people overlook crimes up until the first murder. Oh. So, I don't know. I probably could ride the donkey and not have it be a big deal. And maybe that's why I was able to shoot the first two dudes and it not be a problem until I shot the third one. Because like, oh, well, he murdered two guys, but no one saw it. Oh, this guy's still alive. Oh, he murdered him too. Okay, fine. That's a crime. Yeah, I'm not sure. I did have an interesting encounter as well in town, actually, where a guy just kind of came up to me and, hey, hey, come over here. And you go up to him. He's like, oh, do you want to steal some supplies from this wagon train? I'll pay you well. And there's a prompt to like push, you know, B to accept the mission. But I didn't accept the mission because I think you lose honor if you do it. Just a random encounter. Have okay. you have you encountered this? No, I've not encountered no. that. So there you go. There's another interesting random encounter. A random side mission you can do. That sounds like a lot of work for a random encounter. Yeah, I think it's not so much a random encounter as an actual random side mission. Okay. But one that lowers your honour if you want to have, you know, be really... If you want to be really dishonourable. Talking of lowering your, your honour, did you know you could crack safes in this game? I didn't even know there were safes in this game. So I found a safe and I, it, there was a prompt saying for me to crack it and I, and obviously I, sh- I had to, but that lowers your honour. That was a surprise. What did you get out of the safe? Just a few bits of gold. I don't really know how much. Okay. Did you know there's an item you can wear that prevents you from gaining or losing honour? 
No. Okay, you can buy it as well. I think it's, I think it's the bandana. So you could wear that and do these missions, and you wouldn't lose any honor. Are you working towards your any outfits? Is that a thing for you? The only outfit I tried to work towards was the deadly assassin outfit, which I got last episode. And that's probably why I'm using Deadeye so much, because that basically doubles the recharge rate of your Deadeye. So after I got that, I've just been like, Deadeye, 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 because it just makes everything so much easier. Yeah, I've given up all pretense of like being hardcore. I'm just like, use all the DLC items, Deadeye everything, fast travel. You know, I'm a busy man these days. I've got player unknown battlegrounds to play. Is Deadeye fun? Yeah, it's fun. It's different. Seems like it's really immersion-breaking. Well, it makes you feel like you're in the Matrix. Guess that's how you see the real world anyway, so it's no different. Like dodging bullets. Talking of d- dodging bullets, are we dodging any bullets at the, the gaming tables? Ha ha ha, so, such, a, such a seamless segue. I was dodgy, dodging a knife. Is this what this game is actually called? Five-finger fillet? Because I just called it that game with the knife. You know, in probably countless other things, but the thing I'm thinking of at the moment is Aliens, where Bishop, is it Bishop or whatever, the android does the thing with the knife and you put your hand down and you go like, dunk, 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 and you're stabbing the knife between your fingers and he does it really fast. And so you can play that game for money against, well, random people. You bet money and you've got to like rhythmically jab the knife in between your fingers. And if you get it wrong, you stab your finger. Is it hard? It's surprisingly hard, actually. It's weird because when it's going well, it seems trivially easy because you're just like pushing it in the rhythm. But then if you actually try and follow the prompts on the screen rather than just like go with the sound, then I don't know. I find my brain just got confused and I just stabbed my hand. And I actually did best and did it fastest when I was trying not to look at the prompts and just like go with the sound by pushing the button I thought it was going to ask me to push next. Anyway, I won a couple of games of it and I was like, right, never again. I'm done. Too many side missions. Too many random games. It's like golf and tennis and yoga and whatever in GTA. It's They just put so much stuff in these games. Can't complain, really. It's pretty cool. I'm not bothered with it. So what's the point? So you're meant to beat your opponent in terms of how many stabs you have? Yeah, you've got to stab it faster. What's the time limit? Yeah, I think so. I think like you do it and they do it and then you do it and they do it. But you can't just stab the space between your like ring finger and pinky... No, you've got to stab like outside from where your thumb is and then stab in and then stab back out again and stab between the next finger and stab out again and stab between the next finger. Really, this boils down to pressing, well, on the Xbox, you're pressing like B and then A and then B and then A and then B and then A in the right rhythm. And if you take too long to stab or you push the wrong button, then you stab your hand and then you the lose p- that round. It's only a financial penalty. It's a financial penalty. You don't chop your hand off or anything by accident and bleed out and game over. and No just like you lose where if you bet okay fine fine so we're done yes we are so what's the next checkpoint ting it's up to the north where the tall trees are and the checkpoint is and the truth will set you free and the truth will set you free so finish and the truth will set you free we were lost levels club we still are lost levels club please rate and subscribe to us on itunes Please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. You can find us on Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. You can find us on YouTube. 
But we have no catchy URL. <laughs> With no catchy URL. Please, can you subscribe to us on YouTube? <laughs> you can search for us on YouTube, or you can click the link in the show notes. And one mythical day, when we get 100 subscribers, we can have a catchy URL. <laughs> you can also find us on Reddit. Slash r slash Lost Levels Club, where we got a reply to a comment from Johnson. Thanks, Johnson. Thanks, Johnson. So one more thing. What are you grateful for? What am I grateful for? I'm grateful that my computer's blown up. <laughs> You're like, no, this is not helping. I'm, I'm grateful that I'm going on holiday next week. I'm going to my cousin's wedding in Tokyo. I'm going to have an exciting Japanese adventure and eat much sushi and ramen and sit in hot springs. Is that a promise? Is that a promise? I'm going to go to my cousin's wedding and be depressed and then fly straight back. No, I'm going to go and have fun, yeah. Let's talk, yeah, talk about your hot spring experience. Talk about my hot spring experience. Yeah, for next time, for next time, I'll talk about my hot spring experience with a magical towel of not-nakedness. It's like a talisman, I think. We shall see. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.